Did the Dallas Cowboys steal an undrafted free agent offensive lineman in this year's draft? All that more this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. Terms and conditions apply. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. We've got a special guest for you today. It's Eric Galco from the East West Shrine Bowl. He is the football, a director of football operations over there. Dallas Cowboys signed or drafted seven players from that game this year. And we had an exclusive interview Talking about those players, getting the Cowboys ready for training camp. Let's dive in. Eric, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to talk some Cowboys and some Dallas Frisco. Both reasons to talk to you today, man. Yeah, let's let's jump right into that first. So for yeah. people that don't know, the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl has now moved from uh, Las Vegas over to the Star in Frisco. What was the reasoning behind that move? Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I, I, I kind of took over leading the Shrine Bowl two years ago. we got third year coming up this year, and... We eventually moved to Las Vegas, but Dallas was one of our favorites and one of our great spots as well, too, and really the chance to be in Vegas for a lot of reasons kind of made sense at the time, too. When, when we opened it back up after two years in Vegas to kind of see what was out there, really the chance to work with the Cowboys, be in the star, and get all the benefits of the city of Frisco and Dallas, who have really welcomed us in a big, big way. I think this is a spot that we can kind of be forever at um, and working with, again, being the star, which is one of, if not the best practice facility in the NFL all week long for practice. It's easy for players, NFL teams to get to. We've got a great hotel, a lot of great partners in the area too. So for us, it was not that Vegas anything wrong. I love Vegas. I think it was a great place for the event. I think a lot of people, for a lot of reasons, enjoyed Las Vegas for so sure. Who doesn't love Las right. Vegas, right? Exactly. And I think the players enjoyed it too because we had the Raiders facility, the Legion Stadium, yeah. all of that. But I think for us, being in a community like Dallas, which is so rich in football tradition, working with the Cowboys and being at the star, I think that's going to give a pl- our players even that much more. I think we already had a best-in-class experience at the, in Las Vegas, and we'll do a better job of that in Dallas and in, in Frisco area. You guys are doing a fantastic job with East-West Shrine Bowl. It, it, I, so. For me, I think it's the best all-star event hey, uh, of the offseason. I'll quote you on that one, Marcus. There you go. Well, <laughs> I think the Cowboys are clearly thinking this as well, right? They drafted yeah. or signed seven players that participated in your game. Uh, we're going to talk about all these guys, including Luke Schoonemaker, who the Cowboys drafted in the second round. But you and I were talking pre-show about a guy that they signed as an undrafted free agent, Earl Bostic from Kansas. And you think the Cowboys uh, liked him a little bit. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, they definitely did. And and this was, which is shocking to me, this was the lowest number of offensive tackles drafted in the last decade. Um, so it was a very odd year in terms of teams just either didn't see value or just kind of went different directions. We saw a lot of DBs draft, a lot of receivers draft, a lot of tight ends drafted. Um, but Bostic was a guy that had a lot of fourth, fifth round grades around the NFL. And I think the fact that they, they, they got him, and again, you know the Cowboys, Ross Ben and I do, they didn't have a huge need for a lot of depth at offensive line. They took Austin Richards early in the draft too. But I think to sign a guy like Earl, give him a, a signing bonus, and really get one of the best, if not the best, non-drafted offensive tackle, I think it really shows pretty clear they liked him quite a bit. And I think Earl's ability to play left tackle, he's athletic and play guard, he tested very well, smart kid, multiple-year starter, 
I think they'll find a way to get him involved in probably two different positions, left tackle, left guard, maybe some right tackle, right guard as well, too. But I think they kind of view him as that long-term developmental, hey, if he can be our sixth, seventh guy, because, again, you know better than I do, the Cowboys are going to have a, a cap crunch here. They've done too mm-hmm. well at drafting and developing offensive linemen. They're going to lose some of these guys at some point. I think guys like Earl Boss will play a huge role in that long term because of the way the cap is that if you hit an undrafted free agent, you got him for five, six years. It's pretty clear the Cowboys are just gambling on athleticism and upside. You know, in day three last year, they took Matt Willetsko. This year, it's Earl yep. Bostic. Both those guys, incredibly athletic. Um, so, again, I'm not surprised to, to see the Cowboys go after him. I was surprised to see him be an undrafted free agent. So I 100% yeah. agree with you there. Let's talk about Luke Schoonmaker, who yeah. I think Cowboy fans weren't shocked to see them draft a tight end in the second round. I think they were shocked to see his name be the one that's called uh, he was at your game. What are your thoughts when you watched him, you know, over the course of the year and then at practice? Yeah, I, I really think that people, especially in the media, really underappreciated Luke. And I didn't really get why. I, I think it's because you know, he got hurt in the national championship semifinal and then, you know, tried his best to get healthy for the Shrine Bowl. And really a day before, he's like, hey, I really can't go. And he just came in and was with us for the week, too. But he athletically, um, I think uh, RAS, he was one of the top three or four yeah. tight ends athletically in the draft last year. He's a guy that's shown the ability to block at a high level, receive at the high level, work downfield, separate as well, too. I didn't really get why he was in the same tier as, like, Luke Musgrave and those guys. I think he really was for a lot of teams. And I don't believe the Cowboys view Luke as, like, uh, oh, man, we got to take this guy that's here. Like, they viewed him like I did. I think a lot of teams did as one of the best three or four tight ends. And, you know, there are things that Luke does better than Dalton Kincaid. He's mm-hmm. more athletic than Michael Mayer right? He's a more complete tight end than Luke Musgrave. So I think it really was a flavor and I can see why teams would have him fifth or have him first. I think for the Cowboys to get him in the late second round, I, I think they'll be very pleasantly surprised. I think he'll be a starter week one at tight end. I'm not sure how they'll use he and Jake Ferguson, mm-hmm. but his ability as a blocker has already shown up and, and and what they've seen so far. He's obviously the best athlete in the team. Maybe Jake Ferguson, a different kind of athlete, but overall as a big body, He's the best at that I have a tight end as well, too. And I may have got a strong room. I'm a big fan of Peyton Hendershot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jake's really talented, too. But I think Luke has the potential and the athletic upside to be one of the NFL's best tight ends, a top 10 guy when it's all said and done in the next two, three years. I think the Dallas Cowboys got a great value in late round two for a guy that, again, I think he does things better than Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer, who went much earlier than him. So how do you weigh this Like when you're looking at prospects for your game for production? Yeah. Because Schoonmaker didn't have a lot of production at Michigan, but yeah. that's just because they don't throw the ball to the tight end very often. Right. And we've seen like over the course of the last 10 years, like tight end production is like one of the least valuable things kind of coming out of school. We saw George yeah. Kittle not have any production. Dalton Schultz didn't have any production. So how do you weigh it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot like, uh, like a five-tech or a strong side DN and sacks. Like, oh, that guy never has sacks, but hey, he's not meant to do that every single play. He's kind of setting other guys up, too. And I think when we watch tight ends, the first thing we're looking for is the athleticism because you have to be a good athlete at the NFL level tight end. There, there's too many good athletes tight ends. So mm-hmm. seeing guys that can bend, that can move, that can separate when they get that chance to, again, Musgrave had that, Luke had that. When you're going against linebackers, you're able to finish at the stem and get downfield and show that last second burst against safeties, understand the box out. But I think what's really important to tight ends now, and it's going to be, I think, more important moving forward, is the ability to block at least at an adequate level, if not to potentially get a lot better at it. Because as teams want to go more hurry up, more 11 personnel, you can't have a tight end who can't block on the field too, too long because then you're going to be, it's basically a receiver out there, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Dalton Kane's a great player, but can he be a receiver 100 snaps a game? I'm not sure, right? Eventually that matchup situation is going to be a little bit diminished, whereas Luke can be on the field 
every single play as an inline guy. So I, I think that's where we look at tight ends saying, hey, can you play in line adequately? You can always get better as a blocker, get bigger in the NFL. But then for Luke, when we see plays like his corner routes, mm-hmm. get a play early on the season two corner routes, he's very good at those, right? Can separate against linebackers, can push off against safeties, the subtle balance and body control on that last second burst too. So when we're valuing tight ends for the Shrine Bowl, we kind of, that's one of the few positions we really throw out stats. We use a lot of data analytics. That's one position where we have some thresholds. And for us, it's a lot more watching the film and kind of assessing athletic ability. And again, Luke was one of the most athletic tight ends in last year's draft. And I think for the Cowboys, they they feel really confident in their coaching staff to be able to develop some of these tight ends. So, like, I loved Michael Mayer, but I think he might already be a little bit maxed out. Like, his technique and everything is already really good. But somebody with like, like Schoonemaker who has this size and has the athleticism, if you can continue to develop him, maybe you get one of these tight ends that doesn't have to, you know, ever come off yeah. the field. We'll see. I want to talk yeah. about a couple of the uh, the cornerbacks that the Cowboys grabbed from your game next. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your job and your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add your job and then the purple hiring frame to let people know that you're hiring simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. All right, we are here with Eric Galco, the Director of Football Operations from the East-West Shrine Bowl. And I want to talk about Eric Scott because when the Cowboys picked him on day three, I think there was a lot of people like going through the notes trying to find out who is this guy uh, that ran a 4-7 at his pro day or whatever it is, uh, which we can get to in a second. But uh, (laughs) what are your thoughts from seeing him at practice? No, I mean, well, let's talk practice, I guess. That's a good point. He... On film, he is as physical and can really shut down receivers as, as any corner was at the G5 level this year, one of the better in the Power 5 level. His ability to be physical, to be explosive, to react, and still engage a receiver is at a really high level. right? That shows up. We'll get the combine stuff later, right? But his broad jump, vertical jump show that ability to adjust, be physical. A guy try to counter that move, re-engage, be physical again. He can really shut down receivers and do that often after the miss this past year. I think at the Shrine Bowl, he showed that physicality. And it's a physicality where I think he had maybe two pass interference penalties his senior year of college. But the, the the level that he's able to kind of stay balanced on and say, hey, I'm going to be physical but not drop penalty is really, really impressive and shows that high football IQ and those instincts. He showed that on film. He was very good at the Shrine Bowl all week long in practice, too. And he was a big combine sub, which kind of plays into the fact that the pro day kind of made some people believe he wasn't as good of a player as he was. So how how is the process yeah. like going to find somebody like Eric Scott? Because he's yeah. not, you know, this super big name prospect. He didn't play at a huge school. How does that all work out for you? Part of it, I mean, for Eric, I know he was a big catch on analytics, right? A really efficient mm. um, analytic cornerback, meaning that cornerback for us is a lot like offensive tackle, right? The analytics don't really care how sexy you look. If you don't lose reps consistently, mm-hmm. you're going to be value, right? They're preventer positions, tackle and corner, right? So for Eric Scott, 
not allowing a lot of big plays, not allowing a lot of underneath stuff, not allowing yards after catch all showed up for him too. So he was a guy that was screaming at us for a while. And, and he's a good example of a guy that we, you know, for our invite process, our first round of invites are the no brainers, the Zay flowers of the world, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to watch a lot of film to know Zay flowers really good worth the first invite, but then a lot of NFL team feedback. Hey, who do you really want to see? Who are your top guys? And that second round of invites is where me and our staff get a chance to have some fun. And Eric was a guy that we liked a lot that obviously, you know, not a guy NFL teams thought super highly of early on in the process. And we bet on him a lot. And obviously he made dividends for that too. So he's a guy that we identified early, liked a lot analytically. We trust the athleticism. He has a track background. He, he's shown the ability to be athletic. And I think that 140 time, I would say Cowboys fans don't hold that against him. That's not who he is. It's just one mediocre day of running the 40. He's sure. plenty athletic enough to start in the NFL. And I think he will one day. I think it's fascinating that you said he was like an analytics player because the Cowboys have completely revamped their analytics room this offseason. And it's clear they're starting to use more analytics when it comes to drafting. So grabbing somebody like Eric Scott, who, if you know, you just look at the PFF numbers, like graded out really high in like single coverage percentile or zone coverage percentile, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's just fascinating to me. The, the other corner that they signed as an undrafted free agent, was Miles Brooks, and you're already uh, – I'm sure you're not aware of this, but there's already this debate in Cowboys Nation is who's going to grab that last cornerback spot between Brooks and Eric Scott. What do you got on Miles Brooks? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Eric Scott. I think Eric Scott legitimately is a guy that could start for the Cowboys okay. in the next two, three years. I think he's that talented. I think Miles has plenty of upside. This is a guy that has grown a lot over his college career. He transferred once already, too. He's grown up as a person. I think he's a, a pro right now. I think his ability to play on special teams – will be a huge value for him in the future. I think he's physical, shows the ability to kind of understand, play a lot of special teams in college. We'll do that in the NFL level as well, too. But I think Miles is is one year away from being a heavy contributor in the NFL, but he's a guy that has ample talent. We had teams that early on the process that said, hey, if not for one or two things, this guy might be a third, fourth, fifth round pick. So really? he had plenty of draftable grades, and he's a guy that NFL teams like quite a bit. And I think the Cowboys having such a young uh, non-starters after Diggs and Gilmore, right? I think a lot of free agent corners wanted to go there because of the fact that, hey, it's going to be an open competition. The Cowboys have had a lot of turnover that position for a while. So I think Miles, the guy that, I mean, I know he had a lot of draftable grades in NFL teams and the Cowboys got a good guy that if they can stash him on practice squad for one year, I think 2024 season, he could be a guy that's your third, fourth corner. So do teams reach out to you like in March and April as yeah. they're getting ready for the draft and be like, hey, we're, we're interested in Miles Brooks. What do you got on him? Like, how often does that happen for you? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a two-hour Zoom call. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a GM driving between places, just like, hey, I'm talking to this guy today. Is this guy any weird about this guy either? And, and we're mm-hmm. honest. Um, you know, I, I've learned just like when I talk to colleges, when they're not honest, it just gets nothing. And I, the good things you say don't matter and the bad things you say don't matter either, right? So mm-hmm. for us, we want to be honest too. And it, it helps and it sounds cheesy, but I promise it's true. Like we – Part of it's because we're we're a children's hospital that we have a pretty high bar on character and background. So I'm very thankful that hey, there's always one or two guys that maybe character wise didn't really check out that we had the Shrine Bowl in the past couple of years. But generally, we have guys that have kind of overcome a lot or, or are good people too. And I think that's a benefit for guys like Miles who had some issues early on in his college career. He's fixed those up. He's a great person. He's a super hardworking guy. He knows he has to overcome a lot. And again, I think his growth in that standpoint and his athletic ability and what he put on film. The last two years, I think he's a guy that the Cowboys can stash for one year. I, I think he could be a guy that could be their third, fourth corner in, in a year. We're going to get some rapid thoughts from Eric Galco next on a couple other Cowboys signings from the East-West Shrine Bowl. Make sure you tune in for that.
I'd like to thank you for making Lockdown Cowboys your first listen every day. Every day, we're going to have a special show for you tomorrow. We're going to be answering your Twitter questions. So make sure you send them into us uh, at Marcus underscore Mosier, at McCoolBCB. But today, we are finishing up our conversation with Eric Galco, the Director of Football Operations at the East West Shrine Bowl. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric Galco. Let's run through a couple more signings really quickly. Tyra Sweet. Uh, defensive end from Mississippi State. Played a little bit of linebacker as well in your game. I was kind of shocked that he didn't get drafted. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, uh, kind of a sawed-off edge rusher, um, high motor, doesn't always look the part physically, but really productive, really successful as an edge rusher. I think he'll fit in nicely their pass rush room. They're loaded at that They're position. Loaded. We also have Lami Tohoko, who's going to be healthy. He played in the Shrine Bowl as well. He'll be an edge rusher as well, too. So they've got five, six guys right there that are good players, too. But again, for a week signing there, one of the benefits, you get a guy like Tyrus Wheat, who had, again, many draftable grades. I'm, I'm sure they gave him a little bit of signing bonus to come to Dallas. He'll be a guy that if they can stash on a practice squad for one year, um, he'll be a guy that can be a part of rotation for the future. But but damn good football player from the SEC. The, the whispers that we got, fifth-round grade from the Cowboys. But yeah. with Dorrance Armstrong entering the final year of his deal, Dante Fowler on the final year of his deal, maybe doesn't make the roster this year, hangs on the practice squad, and then competes yeah. for that fourth or fifth job next year. Wouldn't be surprised at all. One of the guys that I'm the most fascinated with is Princeton Fant because he's this tight end, fullback, running back, kind of hybrid guy from Tennessee. Did a little bit of everything for the volunteers. I just think there's, there is a space or a spot in the NFL for this type of player. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And, and he came to the Shrine Bowl as kind of a fullback tight end, a little more tight end, but did some fullback for us as well to kind of show that experience. Obviously, he did both at Tennessee. A plus athlete who didn't get to test in the draft process because of an injury, which was a real bummer for him. I think he would test it pretty well. Yeah. Um, but a plus athlete and a guy who I think has he doesn't just he didn't just play fullback in tight end Tennessee. He showed the ability to do it at the NFL level. You know, sometimes experience at multiple spots, but if you look mediocre at those spots, kind of who cares? But he showed the ability to be a little bit of an inline guy, can be that H back unattached and get downfield and separate against linebackers and safeties, but then be a really effective fullback. They used him yeah. quite a bit there in the goal line. He was a he really was, good goal linebacker. I think he had like he five or six rushing touchdowns last year. Yeah, yeah. And I think he can block there as well as kind of finish too. So he's kind of just a, a plus athlete, kind of doing a lot of different things at fullback. I want to get him on the field as much as possible too. Obviously related to George Fant, long-time NFL player, so kind of has mm-hmm. that pedigree. But but I agree. I think the fullback, H-back, I think the fullback is not coming back. I don't want to be a hot take no. and say that. But I will say that the the – Merrill Hodge factor back, right? Some guy like that, that's going to be more prevalent because if a guy like Prince and Fant can be your fullback, can be an outside second tight end, and can play some slot, which he can do, that guy, part of a hurry-up offense, is deadly because you can go from 21 personnel to 12 personnel to 11 personnel pretty easily. I think Fant's the kind of player that we'll start seeing more and more in the NFL. And you need that third tight end on your roster, or however you want to you know, designate him, to be able to yeah. wear a lot of hats on game day. Like, they're going to have to play on special teams. Right. They've got to block. Hey, if you need to get, you know, a, a couple carries just to get you out of a game, they can do that. That's why I'm I'm really interested to see if Princeton Fant can hang on the 53-man roster or the Cowboys stash him on the practice squad, because I do, I do see some uh, versatility there that can be useful in the NFL. Last one here. Uh, Jalen and Moreno Cropper, uh, a receiver from yeah. Fresno State. Again, Cowboys like him quite a bit. I would not be surprised if he makes the 53-man roster. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I'm, you can use the receiver more than I do. I think the receiver room on the back end has plenty of room to kind of have some competition to um, better game speed than maybe he tested a little bit. He's a, he's a 4-4 guy on film, yeah. right? Low 4-4 guy on film, super explosive. I think his finishing ability in the end zone and the red zone is really impressive. Reminds a little bit 
of, of a less physical John Brown early in his career. To oh, okay. Um, a guy who can play some Z, some X, and can really finish in the short area despite being a smaller guy, but but definitely can take the top off the defense as well, too. But I think he's a guy that, I, you know, they have enough return returners in Dallas. We won't be able to add value there, but I think he's a, he'll someone have to be a price squad guy for a year and kind of see how it plays out. But he's got NFL ability. If he's not a Dallas Cowboy, he'll be somewhere in the league for at least the next three, four years. The Cowboys really don't have a backup slot receiver. Uh, behind yeah. CD Lamb, so having somebody like him that can do that and can be a backup kick returner or punt returner if you need him is valuable. Yeah. And, and we'll I'm see. Look, I'm looking at their depth chart. I'd be surprised if he's not the guy to do that. Oh um, yeah, look care of that guy. But they're no offense to other guys on the team. I think he's clearly the best guy who could play some slot and some Z for them for sure. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining the show. You guys do an absolutely fantastic job. Make sure you go follow Eric on Twitter at Eric Gauco and check out the East West Shrine Bowl uh, next week or next year in. Frisco at the start. Absolutely fantastic, fantastic event. Uh, Eric, what do you got going on the rest of the summer? Uh, relax a little bit, I hope. The Shrine Bowl 1000 just came out, so that was a lot of work by our staff. And 1,000 players sounds like a lot of names, but between COVID and all those guys staying and just how many good players are in the country, it was, it was a grind to cut that down. So we've got 1,000 great players on the ShrineBowl.com website. Hopefully all you draft fans out there can kind of get started on next year's draft class with the Shrine Bowl 1000. And we'll be doing some content around that, relaxing a little bit, and then getting fired up for – August 26th, week one of the college, week zero of Can't the college wait. football season. Can't wait. <laughs> so much fun. All right, that is it for today's show. Uh, go check out the show on YouTube. We are free and available on all platforms. Again, follow Eric on Twitter at Eric Galco. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We'll see you guys next time.